Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two handsome co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Mirandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. Oh, guys, you're really loud. Sorry about that. And this I was is, just yelling. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. If this is your first time tuning into an episode, you can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. Com. And on today's episode, we are going way back into the, way back. Into the history of cinema uh, to discuss, by uh, listener request, the Billy Wilder film, Witness for the Prosecution. Witness for the Prosecution. The most electrifying entertainment of our time. The stunning climax to a half century of motion picture suspense. The setting is London. The story... Two people in love, a murder, and a trial, climaxed by the ten most breath-stopping minutes you've ever lived. The cast, Tyrone Power, in love with a woman who holds his life in her beautiful hands. Charles Lawton, in the most scintillating role of his brilliant career. Marlena Dietrich, the woman of mystery, a fascinating question mark. Mrs. Vell, do you love your husband? Leonard thinks I do. Well, do you? Am I already under oath? We are dealing with a capital crime. The prosecution will try to hang your husband. So witness for the prosecution uh, is an interesting choice for a variety of reasons. One, because we tend to focus on, for doing a podcast about classic movies, we often tend to choose movies that uh, hover around the 80s and 90s. And occasionally we dip into the 70s, but I feel like Occasionally Dave dips into the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) But we've very uh, rarely gone back to... you know, movies like in the 50s yeah, uh, and prior far. to that. And this, I think, may be the oldest movie we've done on the podcast. Well, previously, Definitely. it was uh, the one with the old woman. Uh, Harold Amad. Harold Amad. I think The Graduate was older, I think. So. Oh, really? Yeah. 67, 67 and 69. Okay. So we've gone back 10 so, years. Yes. So uh, for mm. one, for doing a classic movie podcast, it's good to actually do legitimately classic movies yep. in a, a traditional sense. The word classic connotes old, really. Yes. <laughs> so, and uh, this is a movie. Classic. Classic. Uh, 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 directed by Billy Wilder, uh, he penned classic the, Wilder. He he, uh, he wrote the screenplay. It's based on a um, a stage play by Agatha Christie, the famous mystery writer. Um, and the 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 basic premise is Leonard Vole is arrested on suspicion of murdering an elderly elderly acquaintance. He employs an experienced but aging uh, barrister as his defense attorney to get him off. So that sounded weird. Get him <laughs> off. What kind Dude. of movie would, did you watch? This is not the one I watched. <laughs> yeah. I witnessed the prosecution. Lawton. You know, yeah. that. What uh, are you going to say, Dave? I was going to say he. Uh, no, I actually forgot. Sorry. Go ahead. All right, anyway. we're nailing it this week. All right. <laughs> I'm still setting up because uh, this movie is important for a variety of reasons. One, Witness for the Prosecution is on the IMDb Top 250 list of greatest movies of all time. Is it? Yes. I didn't know that. It's ranked at an 8.4. Um, it obviously is a Billy Wilder movie, which holds a certain amount of esteem. Billy Wilder is one of the most famous directors of all time. He's directed movies such as Sunset Boulevard. Um Directed Sunset Boulevard, Double Indemnity, The Apartment, which is one of my favorite movies, and I believe he also um, did he, he did he direct All About Eve? No, maybe not. No, I don't think so. Oh, Some Like It Hot. That's what yes, I'm thinking of. Yes. He directed Some Like It Hot. So those are all huge movies. Um, his if you look at his career, um, 
he's no longer with us. But if you look at his the past movies he's made, it is like a veritable list of movies that you should have seen in film school or movies that are famous or acclaimed featuring big actors of the time. So he really dominated cinema for the, the time when he was active in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, and this movie stars a couple major starlets and stars. One is Marlena Dietrich. Dietrich, excuse Dietrich, me, yeah. uh, who plays, um, I guess, what you consider the femme fatale in the movie, uh, Christine. Um, and Tyrone Power plays the character of Leonard Vol. He's the one who is accused of murdering the old woman. And then the barrister is played by Charles Lawton, in which I believe was his last screen role. Mm, no, I don't think so. Was mm. it? That was Tyrone, the Tyrone Power. I think it was Tyrone Power's last role. No, Tyrone role. Power plays the, uh, the, the, the guy, the, the guy who's being Mr. accused Vol. of yes. Mr. Vol. But he's the one who, uh, he's the actor who had a heart attack and died shortly after. Oh, this really? Movie. Yes. You would think that the, uh, the, the overweight. You would think the overweight old yes. guy would be yes. the guy who. No, uh, it, was, it was the young, handsome guy who probably smoked a lot and drank a lot. You're right. This was his last movie. I stand corrected. Wow. Dave is correct. I did a little. Dave as watches al- The Watchmen. <laughs> as always. I really don't think it's in the top 250. I'm checking. But... Oh, boy. No, no offense. Uh, listen. No, no, no. This is this according is good. to we the IMDb page that I brought up. It is number seventy six. Number seventy six. Okay, I I'm am looking. There. Mm. So, can't wait to win this battle. <laughs> oh, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm looking. Live. I'm looking. I'm looking. And by live, I mean pre-taped. Uh, Face off. Number seventy six is Le Grand Illusion. Oh, what, what a great title for that to be, Ivan. <laughs> Your Why Grand Illusion. Why did it say top fifty movies? Number seventy six, right on my. I don't know, page. but it is on the AFI top ten of uh, courtroom dramas of all time. <laughs> so very niche, and it was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. So there is that. And it's Billy Wilder, who's one of the greatest directors of all time. So So when I first put in this movie, and this was brought to us by a listener, uh, we're doing it in honor of him because he's apparently always wanted us to talk about this movie. It makes it sound like he's died. He's just moved to San Francisco. Which is pretty much the same thing. Which is death. Um, At least for the cost of living. So when I, first off, when I I, uh, only could get this movie on DVD, which was a real struggle. It was on iTunes. I rented it. I don't. Go to iTunes to look for movies. It's either on Amazon or I'm done. <laughs> really? That's it. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Anyway, so I get this DVD and I put it in and it starts and it's in black and white. And in my head, I'm like, is the whole movie going to be like this? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, Didn't I, they have any color back then? What? I, I sounded like such a jaded millennial when I first put this movie in, in my head. But as I continued to watch it, I was got into it guys I, yeah. I totally invested mm. um and i want to kind of talk about what the movie does well and what feels anachronistic now and what maybe doesn't hold up as so well but what really does work about this movie but first i'm going to go to mike who was mm. we had a drag kicking and screaming to watch this mm. movie we should note that none of us have seen this movie before no this, right. is, this is the a, first time this is just the view podcast right. yes <laughs> yeah based on a track record previously with harold and maude and Dave recommending another really, really old movie. I, I was like, rec- was, I, I recommended Harold. Oh, well, then I blame you. I mean, I, mean, I would have. I would have. But. Yeah. Um, like, I don't want to watch this 1950s. They didn't even know how to make movies back then. They didn't even have cameras back then. <laughs> this is like, what is this going to be? They were all Neanderthals. What were they I doing? I couldn't find it. On, like I didn't say, I couldn't find it online. <laughs> I went searching everywhere. I, I emailed them. Like, how the hell do you guys watch this movie? I can't find it anywhere. It was this longer was than terrible. two minutes. I mean, what's yeah, up with I that? spent like a full 30 seconds, almost a full minute of my life <laughs> looking for this. Eventually found it on iTunes, bought it black and white. Rented. Started watching it rented. Actually, sorry, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have bought it um, in SD. I didn't even bother going HD. Huh. And started watching it, mm-hmm. and expected to be offended. 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 At the, the crummy. <laughs> it was the fifties. They didn't know what they were doing back then. 
Come on. Order here. Order. Order with, <laughs> order with a pencil. That's pretty good. Back of a pen. Um, I, I actually really like the movie so much so that I, I feel like someone once said that they know they really like the movie if they're thinking about it still the next day. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely thinking about the movie the next day. And it was, it was, uh, I'd say the first 15 minutes, I was like, okay, this is not terrible, but it's still kind of corny. It's like 1950s. Like, all right, come on, guys. Um, but as it went on, I got, it was a lot more sophisticated than I thought it would have been. Um, I actually really, really liked the the double plot twist oh, in yeah. the movie. At, like at the end? The double reveals. Do we like, want to have our first ever spoiler warning at, well, on this podcast? I, we usually say I spoiler think, alert. And yeah, then but I think... Let, let's kind of discuss the movie in general terms before okay, we get we'll, into we'll that. Okay, we'll get there. Because we'll get there. I think the way the movie addresses the fact that there is kind of like this twist is interesting. And yeah, that, yeah. Yes. Very, very yeah. Did yes. you, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love that. Was that in your version as well? Yes. yes. Okay. Like, please, yes. when you go out, don't tell your friends about the ending of this movie. Yes. Basically... In nine, like in this movie, there was literally like an internet troll being like, "Spoiler alert!" at the end yeah. of the movie. So it, it was essentially the neat. 1950s version of a mm-hmm. spoiler alert, which is like a sentence or two saying, "Like tell your friends about the movie, but don't tell the ending." The only other don't. movie I can think of that did that uh, back that, that I know of that did that back then was uh, Psycho. Psycho was um, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Yeah, yeah. With, don't um, spoiler me because I still haven't oh, seen it. Oh, you haven't seen Psycho? <laughs> okay, well, uh, what was, are you doing on this I don't, podcast? <laughs> this is why I'm on the podcast. <laughs> the twist for that movie takes place halfway through. I'll just spoil that and. Uh, and Hitchcock had recorded a number of ads saying, like, you know, we want you to come in fresh. We don't want you to tell your friends or anybody else about, yeah, yeah. about what happened here. But this is the first time I've ever well, seen and, it at and, the end of the movie where they say, <clears throat> the narrator is like, uh, don't tell your friends about this. Make yeah, sure. It's, they, great, it's great. And I think, yeah. like, and, and this must have been back in the day before there were twists at all. And this must have blown people's minds. You must have had people fainting in the theater. Like, um but it was great. I think I think the story is well woven. I think when when that happens, it didn't feel cliche. In fact, I was expecting the typical cliche ending, um, the, the the cliche twist. And then when it didn't happen, I'm like, oh, oh, du- oh, double! I didn't see either one of those coming. Um, yeah, I actually I, I have a profound appreciation for it because I think even leading up to it, they set everything up well. It's written well, um, and even the acting. I have I have issues with parts of the acting in the movie but for the most part I was invested I, I cared about the characters some of the parts from like 1950s melodramatic but um, yeah thumbs up for me Dave yeah well, thumbs up for me too I mean the, the thing about this is this is the kind of movie you have to watch and, and always think about context because there's yeah. no there's no way we um, if, unless you've been unless you've never seen a legal drama in your life uh, in this day and age I mean it's impossible to watch this movie without thinking about how it compares to courtroom dramas or the majority of television i mean it, you know television is basically made of procedurals courtroom dramas um and uh you know at least it, up until uh the sopranos and cable had kind of changed the face of television i think you saw a lot of like uh legal dramas on tv i mean legal dramas cop shows procedurals that kind of stuff so you know watching witness for the prosecution all i can think of is yeah, this is like a lot of stuff I've seen. It's it's even like a lot of, um, I think Perry Mason would be an example. Have you ever watched any old uh, legal dramas from like the 60s, 70s, 80s? Matlock, um, trying to think of other law, kind of law and order. <laughs> you know? Dragnet. <laughs> Dragnet, right. There's a lot of shows, a lot of shows I've seen, a lot of shows that I've seen in the past where, where watching Witness for the Prosecution made me, made me think exactly, like, oh, I've seen this before. But that said, uh, this is Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder was a great writer, uh, and this movie is just, uh, I think, a really tight script, and it, it kind of just moves uh, moves along really well. I mean, the, the first 40, 45 minutes 
take place basically in in just the barrister's office and it's all interesting it's all the way they establish his character the way they establish uh tyrone power uh as the uh, the guy trying to you know defending himself not really aware not really um understanding the uh the depth of the accusation against him you know he thinks that oh there's no way that they're gonna believe that i did it and uh you know i think that's all really well set up in the first half in the first third and then you know i like the way um they kind of have this almost locker room scene of him getting ready for for uh for battle in in the courtroom and then the uh what scene you, is that? you know well there's like a, there's a scene where they're trying to they're getting him ready and, and they're they're having him try on you know there's like a a scene where they have him like stand for witnesses and he's dressed in a trench coat and a hat. Oh, and stuff like yeah, that. yeah. There's a little, there's a few scenes in between the uh, scene at the beginning of the office. I feel like the two big set pieces are the opening with, at the office where you get mm-hmm. to meet Charles Lawton's character and then the courtroom, which is, you know, for American audiences, it, it, it's uh, interesting to watch because it's so unlike, um, you know, what we're used to seeing and on, and, you know, in, and in the States, in, you know, in our country. Uh, it's just, if, a lot of it's similar, but a lot of it's different. So there's at least some variety, some interest, some, some interest um, on that end. But uh, you know, watching the way things unrolled, uh, unra- unraveled, unraveled, unfurled, for, unfurled. Thank you for uh, you know uh, the story and, and the way uh, people were brought up on stand. And, and Marlena Dietrich, Dietrich had a, has her big scene uh, up on uh, up on the stand. Um, you know, everything's played as it probably every you know the acting. Was was on was par with fifties acting. Right? It was much more theatrical, right? They, they, right, they were. It was that you know the the scene I can I really stood out for me uh, in terms of like how this this style of acting and filmmaking is different from what you know the modern era is. Uh, there's a scene where there's all they're all in her, all in the barrister's office, and Marlena Dietrich is uh, is kind of coming in to like uh, talk to the lawyer, I think or talk to the barrister and she's turned towards the camera and it's 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 uh obvious that she would there's no reason for her to be facing the camera she should be turned around facing the person she's talking right but to. it's like on stage you know, if someone's having like right. a uh it's a yeah a monologue it's or a, something it's yeah. the kind of thing you would see on a on a multi-camera uh sitcom these days right yeah people never quite talk to each other the way because there's there's that that fourth wall that you know they they're just using as a as a tool so uh I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of rambling on. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like I'm. Uh, I feel like I'm a little bit without my tool chest this time because I've never seen this movie and Wait, I haven't had that much time to really process it. Have you been bringing a tool chest? My, my week to week. Uh, that's we... up here, right here, in my head. I'm pointing to my my temples, everybody. Have, um, yeah. Oh, it's a metaphor. Yeah. I'm. What is a? All right, okay. anyway, moving on. Box of tools. Moving anyway, on. so I I like this movie. I don't. I mean, I it it's hard for me to call it a classic because. Uh, I, you know, I've I, never heard of it. <laughs> like, you know. Well, I hadn't heard of it, and uh, it, you know, I haven't it hasn't uh, I haven't had enough chance to sit with me long enough. So. I, I'll say it's. I don't think it is recognized as a classic necessarily, because again, because I haven't heard of it. Like everything else you've mentioned so far, I've been other movies I was rattling off. I'm like, you've heard of all of these? I haven't. I've never heard of this thing in my life. But I feel like I should have. I. I, I this is. It was good to me as a. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 an example of of solid fifties filmmaking right i mean it's you I know it's just solid it's, filmmaking yeah solid, storytelling there's yeah. great storytelling and again it suffers from 50s issues but in spite of those issues i think it's still it's a good movie well mm. it's interesting you mentioned the theatricality of the performances because a it's based on a stage play and you could very easily see this movie working on stage because there's like three locations yeah. and and uh there's only a small amount of characters like it, it's something that could very easily lend itself 
to being performed uh, in that way. Uh, even the flashback sequences, of which there are two, you could easily structure in a stage play. One where they show him actually interacting with the uh, the old woman who is dead, and um, the second one being when he first meets uh, the Marlene Dietrich, Marlena Dietrich character in Germany. Mm-hmm. So um, all that's very interesting uh, from that perspective. The, this movie's very good in the sense that it... I actually, uh, when you make the statement that it, it kind of falls into a, the, the the formula of procedurals, I would didn't I would actually say that it doesn't. And I think the reason it doesn't is because Billy Wilder is such a good writer. Um, because the show has this really... The show, the movie has this very interesting tone where it's both... It's like slapsticky comedy, mm-hmm. but there's also like this like <laughs> yeah. there's like a noir bent to it as well, as right. well as this whole um, crime procedural going on. Like the opening sequence is more played for comedy before yep. you get into the meat of this actual issue. Him not wanting to take his pills, him and him hiding, hiding the cigars. cigars. It's very yeah, slapsticky. Right. Like, it reminds you of other Billy Wilder films like Sunset Boulevard or Some Like It Hot. Or, or I think it reminds me of his comedies most like apartment, The Apartment and, right. and, and you get this he's got this great it's hard to explain but there's this scene in The Apartment that always always stuck with me it's a very famous scene where Jack Lemmon's character is straining pasta with a tennis racket and it's like this one it's like a it's an image that just you just see that image and it sticks in your head and likewise here this whole this whole thing with the cigars and he knows how to use objects well. The Bermuda shorts that they're trying to tailor for him, which are like these oversized yeah, the monocle. The monocle. The like monocle he thing, uses yeah. he uses props in a way um, that just kind of stick out and 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 call attention to themselves, but not in a bad way. In a way that just makes the movie interesting. It's it's hard to explain how that works, and uh, but he somehow pulls that off. The movie gets more interesting to me because I was like, I thought this was going to be a serious legal drama why is it all this comedy and then all of a sudden it takes this shift about halfway through when you actually do introduce um the actual crime aspect of it and as and especially towards the ending of the movie where it feels almost like a not a different movie but it just feels very tonally different and the fact that he's able to balance those two things i think is very impressive um and something that really called my attention when i was watching i think that there are several moments where the acting distracts you as you've mentioned the mm. the biggest one for me is when she does her big no on the stand damn or, or, or damn you damn, damn, damn you, you. <laughs> it's also when he's and his and he's i forget exactly what he's saying but he's like no you gotta believe me yeah and he's freaking well out. he's i think guilty of it the most uh tyrone yeah. powerick's character the guy who plays um um she what's his character's name leonard vol yeah. the, guy, the guy who plays leonard vol is he's like He's he's doing like this, like I'm just a happy-go-lucky guy living hey. in the 1950s. Oh, I'm convicted for murder. That's not good. Like, <laughs> well, I say swell guys. <laughs> and so the way he plays that, and you could argue that actually works in what the movie's trying to establish about his character and who he really is. I think that's interesting. But it's the his performance definitely took me out of it a little bit. And when she did the whole damn you, especially for her because she was so straight the entire time, like mm-hmm. keeping everything very low key, very like one note almost. <laughs> and the thing, um, just it goes on for like thirty seconds. It's almost comically long. Yeah, how long yeah, it goes on. yeah. It's irritatingly long. Yeah, but um. Overall, I think the movie still really works, and it kind of confirms my thought that Billy Wilder may be one of the top ten directors of all time. Like, Whoa. I'd put him up there. Yeah, why not? I think he well, really. You're like, just giving us. All right, I'll no, throw him in there too. <laughs> I just sure. because I can. I can't. You look at his filmography, and you can't. 
Like you, no, I don't think any, very few other filmmakers have made movies that, this many important movies. Mm-hmm. Like, especially for uh, the era in which you worked, right? I mean, there's, there are certain directors that, I mean, you look at you look at their career and just every film they made, it, it seems like they were nominated for an Oscar. You know, Michael you know? Bay, for instance. <laughs> Michael Bay. I was I was thinking uh, John Ford for one. He's one of those directors that you, know, you look at his his uh, his career or Martin Scorsese or um, Steven Spielberg. I mean, there's certain directors that just you know they just seem to have they have, they have their ups and downs. But I mean, for the most part, I mean they they uh, you know. It's I guess it's this theory that there are certain there are certain filmmakers that speak the language of cinema. Mm-hmm. And I think that Billy Wilder was one of the people that was defining what that language was before we even knew what it was. Like, we're talking about a time, and this is made in 1957. I mean, think about how many movies have come out since then and how, like... What was going on at the time or before it? Like, were there any... I would just, like, I just think movies finally hit their stride in the 50s. Like, 1920s is the introduction of this new medium when we don't even have sound, and we're slowly starting progressing. We have the war, which affects the way the movies that we're making. And then, you know, post-war, we hit this time where film noir gets really big, where we start defining... We start shooting movies artistically almost, like mm-hmm. um, because this is a movie that movie that has a lot of noir elements uh, from certain like like just the uh, the device of the monocle that he uses to like shine the light on something that's mm-hmm. like yeah. very <laughs> noir. Yeah. <laughs> element. yeah, I mean it reminds you of like a, like the opening of almost any detective movie, let's say Chinatown, where people come to the. Uh, the lawyer or the detective's office and they say like, oh, I've got a problem and uh, I need you to help me. And, you know, you know, there's something kind of going on with that character that, uh, that you know, they're not seeing everything. But but uh, that's kind of like the, the cliche. And then the detective or the lawyer has to investigate and, and figure out, uh, you know, kind of investigate the case. And it's a mystery and it's Agatha, Agatha Christie. So that makes sense. Um, so I guess we can kind of get into the, the, the spoiler aspect of the movie. Everyone uh, is guilty. Essentially, <laughs> Basically, right? Basically, yeah. yeah. Well, Even right. the frigging woman in the audience is guilty. <laughs> well, the, the, the big twist of this movie um, is the guy you think... There's a lot of twists in the there's movie. A lot, it's the main twist is that you think that he is innocent and his wife was doing something behind his back and killed the woman f- so that out of revenge, I guess, right? Or to convict or to him. Get the, into- right, right, right. But it turns out that she is only doing it because she believes that her testimony could make him into a victim that would get him off the hook easier. It's basically a long con, right? Right, I mean, right, he, right. The, 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 uh, Dietrich and Tyrone Power are in on it together. Mm-hmm. And, well, uh, no, no. Oh. I see he doesn't know. I think his panic in the, in the courtroom is they, legitimate. See, I think he's really freaking out. Like, why is she doing this? She's, she loves me. She's so devoted to me. Why is she doing this? And she's doing oh, yeah. it because she's I'm so... I'm with Mike. I yeah. didn't think he was in on it at all. I think that she orchestrated this entire thing. This is interesting that we both... Because he hasn't, yeah, he hasn't been contact in, in contact with her at all he keeps asking about her but she hasn't go back <laughs> sorry, the evidence guys. is there well, sorry, that's no because I, I think it's it could and, be it's and, very subtle that they, they make that clear and, and I think that in in her perspective if he's in on the plan his reactions won't be authentic to what she wants she exactly. wants him she wants him to be panicked and to and, react yeah. the way to, to make it seem like she's crossing him but really she's trying to save him however he was screwing her over the whole time anyway because he's actually guilty. He actually killed this woman. And then the, the greater implication is it makes our hero of the movie, Sir Wilford, is guilty of saving uh, the, wrong person. the wrong person, yeah. which is so, fascinating. Exa- I, w- I thought the same thing. I'm like, wow, so that guy, the whole movie was just like played for a fool. And the movie ends with him being like, huh, okay. 
Well, because yeah. well, I mean, they, and he's sleeping with someone else, and he's <laughs> right. sleeping and with he's, a younger woman, yeah. which is also interesting because Marlena uh, Dietrich is Marlene Dietrich. I keep on saying that incorrectly. She, you know, she I think first hit movies in like the 30s or 40s mm-hmm. when she was this really big sex symbol, mm-hmm. and now she's reaching a point of career where she's older. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. very interesting to me, like this idea of this starlet who is now past her prime is playing this role where she is uh, passed over for a younger woman. Right. She's is, an actress. I mean, that part was clear, but it, it made it, it to me, my impression, and I, again, maybe I was wrong, was that uh, they were in on it together from the beginning. And, and, uh, and I, she was I upset that uh, she, that, that he double crossed her. But yeah, I, I don't think, I, I don't think you're, it was but, subtle that I, it's yeah. a subtle difference. And I think you could very easily see that. And I would, I think, but it's, there's very minute. And they made some, they, like, made, they made some allusions to acting and, and that kind of thing. Right. And so I, w- I was right. thinking that, well, maybe he's just well, cause when a he, really when good he actor. Comes pretend, in, like having those well, cause she reactions. says something like, I knew the only way he comes in later. It almost seems like he's like, I told you she was a great actor. Like he almost seems in on it when he comes in the courtroom, but right. I don't think he was. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm on yeah. the I'm on, on team Mike here. All right, well, okay. but then and then what's interesting is that the woman in the audience, like the, all that stuff, completely flew under my under my radar. I figured the woman in the audience that is watching the whole yeah, time. Yeah, that was interesting. I was like, what? I, I'm like, I bet what's going to happen is it's going to be this is where the trope started with like you're talking about Mar- the, nur- the nurse. No, 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 no. The, the woman who's sitting next to the nurse, commenting on the trial, is I is see. the girlfriend. Okay. Right, so it's the girlfriend that he was right. went to the travel agency with. Um, and I assume that well, I'm like, why do they keep showing her? I'm assuming that she's probably going to be the one that like afterward, like so it's a happy ending. She comes down and she falls in love with him during the court case, and the two of them and like ride off into the sunset together. And Marlene <laughs> Dietrich is the villain is the in the villain, movie, right? right? right. Um, so that was set up brilliantly. And even with the story where they talk about, I don't know how they did that but when they talk about him in the travel agency with the, the brunette, how that completely went out of my mind. Like that didn't really. Was that the same for you guys? Were you thinking like? Well, you know, it's yeah. I, you know, it didn't stick with me either. Like I was yeah. like, that's a. It, it, okay, well, I, I didn't even know. Like I noticed it. And I was even thinking like, well, and he even admits like, oh, I was at a bar with a woman. We both left together. I was like, and you're married, and that's okay. <laughs> like yeah. what? Well, okay. So but, what this movie does very well is it kind of. Um, it does this thing that great mysteries do, where it presents the basic tenet of what's going on and then kind of peels it away and shows you how something that seems pristine on the outside is actually a lot more effed up on in reality like oh i'm married happily to this beautiful woman well maybe i'm not actually married to her but she has another husband and then maybe we're not as close as what i once said and like it starts kind of peeling itself back to you actually see the reality of what's going on a movie that did this recently that i liked a, uh, a lot was uh david fincher's gone girl where it kind okay, of don't don't nothing i haven't mm-hmm. seen it and i want to I, i'm not going to spoil that movie just this idea that it presents like here's One two people in a happy marriage and then it yeah. kind of presents and then it slowly kind of pulls away from that the other thing I think this movie does is it really subverts noir tropes because Marlene Dietrich is set up as the femme fatale, and traditionally the femme fatale is the one that turns on our hero, is the one that is responsible for the hero's demise. But really, she was um, and she can win a lot of the time, she right? Can come out on top. But here, she was actually the only person who was acting non selfishly throughout the. Uh, well, I mean, aside from our. Excited for real friend, <laughs> which I also love when they address themselves that way. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. because it's such like a it's such like a, it's like when you comment somebody, but you're really you comment something somebody, somebody, but you're actually insulting them. Right, it's like well, my uh, learned friend over here, yeah, the genius <laughs> to the right over here is you know, so like that that's like such a Brit. I love that. It's so British. Is that like a is that what they say now, or is that was that something for the movie, or is that an actual? 
don't way know. of addressing someone in the courtroom. In do they Britain. still wear the wigs in Britain? I hope they do. They're great. Because that's, that's fantastic. A, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> yes, why give that up? Listeners there. If it's only going to be in the courtroom, you might as well. I just like this idea of a movie that it's not a, it's not an unhappy ending in like, it's just bleak. It's just... It's subverting what you expect the joyous courtroom ending to be. Yeah, well, it depends. Yes. It depends on who you view the the hero as, right? I think. I mean, I don't know about a lot of movies before this, but I think this is uh, uh, an example where the the lawyer is clearly the the hero of right, of, right. You know, of the story. So it's you you would expect that the person um, that is accused the accused would be the the protagonist, the hero, the the thing the movie's about. But I think in this case, it's clearly about Charles Lawton's character and. Um, and uh, if you watch a lot of movies, I mean, is, it, some of the courtroom dramas really focus on the accused and or the uh, whoever, and, and a lot of them focus on the lawyer and, and how it tells their story. This I is, would say uh, most focus on the lawyer, though, right, Dave? Like, To Kill a Mockingbird focuses on the lawyer. Uh, yeah, uh, a Few sure. Good Men focuses on the lawyer. Definitely. Um, what's another good law movie? Oh, um, A Time to Kill focuses on the lawyer. A Time to Kill. Time to <laughs> Matthew kill. McConaughey. Yeah. Um, the Lincoln Lawyer. Focuses other, on uh, the Lincoln Lawyer. Hey, yeah. you know what? The Lincoln Lawyer is an good underrated movie. movie. It's actually pretty damn good. I, I was. That's not. I was just. It's not. Though there's no reason for him to be doing law in a Lincoln. He could just you know do it normally. It just. <laughs> well, just anyway. two L's um, sounds good. <laughs> Alliteration, my friend. Uh, I guess the loser lawyer. <laughs> yeah, um, right. like a movie like The Verdict. Also, like what, what I mean is Philadelphia about who's Philadelphia? What is Phil? Who is Philadelphia? That is definitely about, about the uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, that's not the it's probably equally about, about Denzel. Yeah, I guess. Every movie it's, with it's, Tom it's Hanks in it equal. is about Tom Hanks. It's a, it's a League of their own? Tom Hanks. <laughs> See how easy that was? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Every yeah. movie's about Every movie's about Tom Hanks if he's in it. Okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> um, but I think that this is a film that a lot of people, A, don't know about, which is what we kind of seems to be the consensus. But it's a movie that I feel like a lot more people probably should have seen. Um, well, let's talk about hang on real quick detour British accents did Leonard Vole not have a British accent he's he was American, American he was an right? American visiting yeah. Yeah. living or, or visiting there well, he, was a, he was a soldier he was a soldier that I guess settled in and he just, Britain and he just landed there yeah. did, did our lawyer have a British accent I didn't really yes. hear yes, it yes absolutely, absolutely yeah? A, did, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. okay Carry movie, on. What His name is Sir you? Wilfred. <laughs> but did he sound? Did he have the accent? Is what I'm saying. There are a lot of people in that movie that is I just didn't ever, hear. But he's like such the physical embodiment of a stereotype of like a, a guy with like British jowls. Yeah, yeah. Like he, you know, he's just a, a poorly. <laughs> that's when I think of Sir Wilfred. That is exactly the sound I think of. Harry Potter. Like that's all I can think yeah. of. He's like Harry Potter's stepdad. (laughs) That's it. Right. Mr. Dursley, yes. That's basically who he is, but he's a lovable guy. Mm -hmm. Like, he's he's very likable in in a sense. He's also, I just love how casually misogynistic the 1950s movies. You could never do that now. I like how it just gets away with things that we just can't do now. Like, it's just like. And I think the reason why he gets away with it is they make the nurse so over-the-top, annoying, sugary, like, <laughs> like okay, it's time for your nap, like a good boy. So it's, <laughs> if, if you were a woman, I would strike you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But I think I think it's poking fun at itself. I think it's it's joking that it's misogynistic. But the like, fact that, hey guys, isn't it funny to mistreat a woman? LOL. I just kind of love that there's this movie that exists where they can have a whole slapstick sequence with him riding the... Um, 
the banister yes, elevator yes. yes in the same movie where it's a murder trial about who killed who like and i'll tell you what that, that banister thing was um i think that was the turning point for me that's where i was like cause that was actually something that was legitimately funny to me i know i was, was like oh oh this is actually this might not be I, too bad okay. i agree completely it started out i'm like this isn't funny and i'm like this is so 1950s and he started doing this i'm like this is actually a good gag <laughs> yeah yeah he keeps like, going back and he forth. like sold it it was something about the face like he played it very straight down. yeah he's just like mm-hmm. <laughs> And the a fact that he, on a banister. And the fact that he can, you know, he kind of yeah. slowly moves Barrister up and down. I just, I, I kind of totally works <laughs> in, a, in a really great way. Um, anyway, carrying on. No, I had something I was going to, uh, I was trying to bring up and now I totally Lost the sands it. of time. Lost like tears and rain. That's a good reference. <laughs> yeah. Right there. <laughs> Bringing it back to episode number one. Oh, yeah. The thing I wanted to also mention is for a murder mystery, it's a movie where you never see the crime scene. You mm-hmm. never see the murder take place. You never see anything about the case. Like yeah, everything right. about the case is circumstantial. And usually in a movie like this, there's a scene where the lawyer goes to the, the crime scene. And you and see he, like a cloth he, over the body. Or, and... or he like figures something out. He's like, oh, the way this this thing you never see any of that and Mm. i think that makes it more interesting because the entire movie is like well who's telling the truth here is this housekeeper telling the truth is he right for bringing this housekeeper down and bringing down her testimony right and that's and that's something else because when she's up there you're like ah she's full of crap like she doesn't know what she's talking about and then at the end you're like oh yeah she was giving us all the keys to the like to the story maybe she was totally right like Like, she was doing she was a reliable witness and our lawyer friend we thought was doing a heroic thing was actually doing a terrible thing. Right, yeah. And I think that's a very interesting, like he's still the hero of the movie even though he was duped throughout something all else, it's like he doesn't do anything himself. He had, if she didn't show up with the letters, he had nothing. That's another thing so I like about the like, movie. Yeah. So that whole he sequence personality, comes, <laughs> right? Right. But, but that's another thing that I come that I really enjoyed about the movie is I'm like, this is a Deus Ex Machina that someone just shows up and gives right. Him this. Yes. And I'm like, but I thought maybe in the 50s that's how they did it. Like this was before it became a Deus Ex Machina. I was almost willing to buy it, but I was like, that's kind of annoying. And then the way that the movie does turn out, where it's literally Marlene Dietrich giving him the evidence that will allow her to be implicit for the crime or complicit for the crime. Did you go back and watch that scene? I mean, there's there's nothing that made me think that that act that Marlene. I, Thought it was you know, a bad, I thought it was just a bad actress. Is what yeah. I thought when, I, when I saw that scene, I thought, yeah, I thought the acting was bad on purpose. And I I almost turned on my girlfriend. I was like, is that the same? But it, it sounded so stupid to say out loud that I just kept it to myself. Because yeah. it made no... And then I didn't think anything else of it. I just thought they just looked very similar, I guess, as actresses. I mean, in the 50s, they all looked like that. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. What are you saying about 50s actresses, man? You know, actors. Actress is not a word, sorry, David. Right. Sorry. I just, um, it's a movie... I probably have said it 50 times <laughs> this week alone. It's a movie that does this thing that I love where it solves the problems you have with it as the movie goes yeah. on. Yeah, because it's like, a lot smarter than you think it is. Yeah, it's like, this movie's dumb. Like, it shouldn't be like this. And like, the entire, and then it's like, no, we did that on purpose because we're actually smarter than you are. <laughs> Essentially. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha movie, I can go back and watch you again and then I will know. <laughs> and then the other, the other major uh, thing around this point is this, um, um, uh, shoot, I, yeah. I was going to say again. Damn it, someone else say something. Uh, I don't know what I was going to um, say. Uh, I'm so poop, excited poop. talking about this movie. <laughs> Damn it. Well, I was Anything? so excited or listening to what you were going to say about it. Damn. Damn, I lost it. Damn you. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> yeah, that part was not good. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a movie that solves its own problems as you're watching it. And So here's a question, though. If so, Okay, so if she did this whole plan, right, and she was essentially implicated for... Does she admit to killing the woman? No. 
does she? I forget in the letter if she actually says that or not. So there's nothing that the only thing she could have been charged with is perjury. Right. That's what she's but being she, charged with. Right. Okay. So so even still, best case scenario for her, she still would have probably gone to jail. But she ends up killing him anyway. Right. But I'm saying her plan was that. I mean, that's that's some real devotion. Just want to see her husband go to jail, but she'll take the fall. Like. Uh, yeah, and that's what they were trying so that, to establish. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think you have to either... I mean, I guess if you're that devoted, you would probably stab him in the back for cheating on you. So I guess that kind of is in character, all of it. But. Speaking of stabbing, I think we need to talk about the last scene. All right, <laughs> The Dave. stabbing. I mean, have you guys watched enough 50s movies to know that? I mean, you, you don't see a lot of... Obviously, you don't see a lot of graphic violence. He died pretty quick. Yes. He died instantaneously. Leonard, so he stabbed, so there, my, there's this my knife. My thought is that she may have had some poison on the blade. <laughs> Yeah, like cyanide-coated blade that killed him instantly. And, and this is where the movie starts to show its anachronisms. This is where right. the movie is like, oh, this movie was made in the 1950s. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. Dead. Ivan wouldn't have been. Ha- Neither of you would have been happy unless you saw blood spurting out of his back yeah, and well, gasping yeah. for. for well, he didn't have to die like two seconds later. Well, right? it's it's the um. <laughs> there could have been a, a look on his face or something. There was like, a look on his face. Look well, of death. it's it's a stage death. It's yes. theatrical. Definitely. It's this idea yeah. that that's how someone would die on stage. Yes. <laughs> Essentially. And yeah. I think that movies at this time in the 1950s still were making this transition from being um, visual representation, like not visual representations, captured representations of stage plays and moving into their own medium. I think movies were still figuring out what they, movies they were, were. less focused on realism and more of the idea of what happened. So she, yeah, she kills him in the courtroom. Was it super realistic? Mm. But I think that a great example of a movie... Um, Shoot, what's uh, when did It's a Wonderful Life come out? Uh, that was mm, at least ten years prior to this. Oh, it was yeah. I, I'm sure though at that time it was pro- unless you can cite something that is this is not the case. But I feel like at that time oh, they right. probably couldn't get away with showing a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna show somebody getting stabbed in the back, that's probably all the for the 57 right yeah. I feel like that's probably all you could show if you show them writhing around on the ground in pain it probably would have gotten like a rough rating slap well, there was it. no it rating been... system there was no MPA well, but was, it would have gotten code, bad right there was a uh... there was right, the, but I'm the, the famous for... code where you couldn't show sex what was that right. called the uh, Hughes code yes that's it. I think you're right nailed it <laughs> nice so I, <laughs> alright yeah, guys I, I'm done I think you're the done. podcast you can, is you can roll we can, we can wrap this up um, yeah, I just feel like they probably couldn't have gotten away with it. I feel like it would have been too much. It would have been like that's why you probably never see the body. You never see any of the like you know blood or it, it kept it from getting a little bit too real. Yeah. Is my guess. I don't yeah. know. No, it's yeah. just one of those things where that's where I have to forgive the movie for being made in 1957. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what um, the 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 thing that I I kind of I'm starting to remember earlier is as I was watching it, and I don't know if you have this same thing every time you watch a mystery movie is I'm always trying to figure out who the real killer is going to be. I never do that during a mystery movie. I never try to think <laughs> about who the killer might well, that's, be. That's but the part thing, of the fun. Though. But no, but the thing about this movie is it doesn't give you very many suspects. It, 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 right. It's it, more it, of like, did he do it? Did he not do it? And, yeah. the, and the whole thing is, well, if he didn't do it, then there's no other suspect that's for him to do it. it had to, I was like, it's either going to be the, the, the housekeeper or it's going to be the, his wife. And, and that, I thought maybe in the 50s, that's as simple as it had to be. But that, <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's complicated. Rather, but that's an interesting implicit problem of the movie that it's amazing that the movie still works in that case. That it doesn't, it doesn't throw a red herring in your way. There, there, is well, no, there, is no mist, there was no shadowy figure that was outside. You know the, what it is? Because I think this is the thing. It's that like, and this is where I think a lot of modern movies fail. It's not so much who did it, but why or what was the underlying motive. So when you find out that like she didn't do it and he actually did it, that's not really like the that's not why you're like whoa, but it's like why she did it. Oh, it's because of this reason. I feel like it was all of that was very creatively done, 
now I feel like if it was a modern movie now, it would have been that like she said like, oh yeah, I did it because I just wanted the money. It was very flat, kind of not nuanced motives. I feel like these motives were a little bit more. I guess my question would be, why didn't the lawyer see? Like, why couldn't he figure this out? You know, he he's, he's supposed to be well, <laughs> because he was drinking on the job, Dave. Did you see how much brandy? He <laughs> yeah, had? He, was, he was and drinking, he was popping pills. He was drinking on the job. He had, he was uh, he had just come out of a coma that he joked about at the beginning of the movie. Right, right. And uh, so maybe that was it. I mean, maybe this was. Um, it almost feels like this was supposed to be the beginning of a series of of stories featuring this character. I had a feeling it was like the misadventures of right, you know, the cranky lawyer. You know, <laughs> like that was the sequel. Yeah, I feel cranky, like he, cranky lawyer too. I almost, I my thought was it might have been written about like it was a series of novels about this guy, and it's like one episode in a chunk of episodes where. But he's a great character, so you can understand yeah, that. Exactly. I want to see yeah, yeah, yeah. more stuff. He's clever. He's witty. He's bullish. He goes like Harry Potter. Like, Harry Potter, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Potter. So um, yeah, he's the kind of guy. He's the guy you want representing you. So uh, it's, it's interesting in a, movie, in a movie like this, the way that he decides to actually take the case. I felt uh, you know, if, if you see a, a modern movie, there's usually going to be a lot, a lot of time between. Okay, so he, he he meets the client. He says, "I can't help you. I'm sorry I'm, for whatever reason." And then there days pass. Something happens. The lawyer needs the money. The lawyer has a moral crisis, and then decides to take the case. You know, not not caring or not really clear if the defendant is guilty or not in this case it all happened like within the span of a few hours it feels at least it feels like it yeah and he doesn't have a real reason to need to take this case he doesn't have to take this case does it for the laws yeah yeah, the law- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. by the way and I, what, I, what i like i like how his monocle trick didn't even work yeah the guy who was innocent was fine with it and the one who was who was yeah conniving i guess well, i think he was using the wrong eye Possibly. That might have been. Well, yeah. It did kind of a call. We probably had the angle wrong. Did you but. notice at the very end, his monocle shines a light on the bread knife before she picks it up to stab him? I didn't. No, I didn't see that. It's a good film. Is it like the monocle of truth? Is it like? <laughs> is it? We, we have mystical powers. Was that not explained? Did you guys? People pick were up still on? using monocles in the 1950s. I don't get. I don't. Only under, the Brits were. <laughs> this is a slight tangent, but can you explain to me what the point of a monocle is? What, it's if you're. I think if you're like nearsighted, right? You just, but why don't you just spectacles? Ha- but why a, wouldn't? You, why you'll need it in one eye? It's it's like the equivalent of reading glasses, where you don't yeah. wear them all the time. You just want to. But read why don't you need them in both? Why? Because only you, one? if you put spectacles on, you can't go. Like it doesn't work. Like you have to only. I don't know. I think it's probably a style thing. Maybe only one one eye is bad. Maybe his other eye is fine. I just don't understand. It seems monocles. like a very uncomfortable way to have to. Yeah, he's like squinting every time he reads something. It makes I, no sense. Yeah, well, you, like, it makes you, more you, sense to make an eye patch out of it, where you well, no, wraps around your head and you have the, eye patches. On, they help you see worse because you lose well, an eye completely. We, we, except it's a monocle. Sorry, a strap. Oh, you're saying a strap, saying, like a goggle. You're saying okay. <laughs> this movie also happens to get the. Um, my wife seal of approval. She didn't fall asleep Ooh. during it, ah. and she falls asleep in every movie. Did we she watch stick around August. for the whole thing? Oh yeah, she liked Whoa. this one. Oh okay. Yeah, she's a big Billy Wilder fan apparently. Oh, that's good. So uh, this one, this one passes the test. All right, passes so, the monocle test. So thank you, Matthew with an M, for recommending it. <laughs> I'm glad we. Expect- why? Um, why would he not have an M? Why do we have to specify that? Is that- <laughs> Irony. It's yes. Sorry. Is that how you wait, does he address himself that way? Did you address <laughs> that's, that's him? That's his, tw- his Twitter handle, Matthew with oh, an M. Oh, <laughs> got it. At Matthew with an M. Yes. Thank you. So good luck on your move to uh San Francisco. <laughs> that's a, that's an inside out. Yeah, good luck. Very clever. Living in the uh the fertile crescent of mm-hmm. the United States. And uh you know, hopefully he'll listen to this as he's walking up the hills of San Francisco. It's a long walk. 
very difficult climb. To... We should have done a San Franciscan movie. No, uh, but that would have defeated the purpose. We should have done the Frisco Kid. Uh, no. But he didn't recommend that. This is... Yeah. I just like the Frisco Kid. Then, anyway. Then we'll do that next time you're up. Well, the Frisco Kid. All right, man. No, no. You get one year to think of another movie <laughs> that takes place in San Francisco. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is, uh, if you guys have not seen this film, um, and we've just it. spoiled it. So. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, you see a lot of, I mean, the more modern, a few good men feels like, I feel like that's a courtroom drama that people talk about a lot. He says primal fear. Uh, uh, this movie reminded me a lot of primal fear. Um, these are movies that I, that I think of when I think of courtroom, modern courtroom dramas. And I think if, if you're a fan of that kind of stuff and, and you are really interested to see more of uh, like the roots of those kinds of movies, I think, you know, it sure, certainly couldn't hurt to watch Witness for the Prosecution. Absolutely. Uh, Dave, uh, actually, I'll start with Mike. Mike, closing out, any final oh. thoughts on the movie? And question, rating Marlene Dietrich's legs in a scale of 1 to 10 when oh, you give them. Oh, man, I didn't even see him. What? I mean, you see him for like a second when her, her pants it was pr- ankles. It was pretty explicit when those pants I'm got ripped. Not much ripped. of a leg guy. Not I mean, a leg he's guy. He's more of a jowly man, <laughs> man, man. <laughs> I'm more of the dude jowls. This is really <laughs> ask me about. <laughs> um, they were they weren't offensive to me. Okay, so. all right. Man. Sorry, uh, wish I was more of a man. Good. Final but, uh, thoughts. He would put her legs on his DVD shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Movie wouldn't put it up there, but I put her legs up there. Yeah. Actually, I keep them in the freezer probably more than anything else. Dave, your final thoughts God. and uh, you uh, ranking her legs on a scale to one to ten. Oh, God. I'm not a leg. I'm not really a leg guy. <laughs> all right, Evan. As, as a resident leg guy. I admire the female form in all its assets. I do, too. That's why I don't actually isolate it into parts. I look at it as a whole. She's a beautiful woman, Ivan. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a whole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a you made a joke you didn't even get. That's amazing. That's I just, the twist. That's the twist. I just like that when Dave is, uh, uh, you know, first met his wife. He's like, "What do you like? What what feature really stuck I'm a out to her?" Just the whole the whole thing is pretty good. Pretty good. No, I just said I'm a whole guy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, closing out this episode before we devolve into complete uh, shenanigans. We've already gotten there. Yeah. Mike, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at MikeMirandi.com or on Twitter at MikeMirandi. David. Glance. Holeman.com. <laughs> H-O-L-E-M-A-N.com. <laughs> Dave Glance on Twitter. G-L-A-N-C. DaveGlanceProductions.com. And I am at Ivan Kander. That's K-N-D-E-R on Twitter. My website is Lucky9Studios.com. And um, I write and edit for a website, uh, shortoftheweek.com. So if you want to find... Yes. If you want to find this podcast, uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes so you can get cinematic and chatter that is unparalleled. Uh, <laughs> I actually I want to apologize for what I've done to that. I'm Absolutely. sorry. And, it's actually a very good site with very can, good reviews. And you can leave, you can, uh, leave us an iTunes review. That would be very helpful. And you can find us on the web at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast and email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com and uh, go to our website at reviewedpodcast.com. There's a lot of... <laughs> dot coms here Jesus Christ um, I don't know what's going on anymore um, so uh, next episode we are going to as we near the Halloween season um, and in honor of the recent passing of Wes Craven we are going to be discussing uh, Friday I'm sorry 
Nightmare on Elm Street. Jeez, I'm out of it, guys. Nightmare on Elm Street, the classic. Uh, Ivan has both I hands love, desperately grasping his microphone, by the way. I love Friday on Elm Street. Friday on Elm Street, the classic uh, Ice Cube mashup. Yeah. With nightmare Freddy the Kruger. 13th is, eclipses it, though, I gotta say. That, yeah, that was better. The 13th Nightmare. So, this is the uh, films that introduced Freddy Krueger to the world. Um, so, uh, you can find it on Netflix, watch instantly, so be sure to watch so we can. All you know, you can listen along with us next week. I think Wes Craven died right before Halloween on purpose. Probably. All right, Mike got a text message. It's time to close <laughs> out the episode. I don't know what that means. 80 oh, miles per hour. Oh, then we go back in time. No, I don't know. Yeah. That's when the podcast is over. <laughs> Marty. All right. 88 miles per hour. <laughs> 1.21 gigawatts! That's pretty good, too. <laughs> what movie were we doing? <laughs>